Um, once again, happy Mother's Day to everyone here. It's exciting. Our number of our mums is growing and I want to wish everyone a happy Mother's Day from wherever you're joining us. Uh, in May, we, we're looking at the theme of family. And the theme of um, this series is it, it takes a village. And it comes from an African proverb which says, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise a child. And today we're going to talk about parenting. Next week we're going to talk about marriage. And then the week after that we're going to talk about dating. All within community. The community of God. Uh, let me read today's passage. Deuteronomy 6 verse 1 to 9. And even if you're not a parent, uh, this is a very important message for you. Deuteronomy 6, 1 to 9. These are the commandments and decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Amen. Amen. Uh, whether you're a parent or not, uh, I think most of us would know we're at an age now, we're adults now, we would know that being a mum or being a parent is one of the hardest jobs in the world. And if you don't know that, and if you don't think about that for your own parent, my goodness, they had it really hard. You know, it's hard even when your, parent, when your kids know, let alone if your kids don't know. Um, I've been a dad for 11 years. Uh, yes, one of the most fulfilling uh, roles that I play in my life, uh, but definitely one of the hardest. Um, I'm sure for mothers, they say um, giving birth is very difficult. Seems like an understatement, doesn't it? Coming from a guy. Um, I also found it very difficult being in the room with my wife, giving birth. Give all credit to all the dads, but it's not Father's Day today, it's Mother's Day. Good job, dads. Being a parent's tough. Isn't this, this is not what I had to put it. It's a great thing. I'm not trying to tell you not, you know, don't be a parent, but I'm just telling you it's tough. Physically, it's tough. You know, Jonathan, who's how many, how is Jonathan now? Three months, right? How many times do you wake up at night? He doesn't wake up at night. 
God bless you. He's a good kid. Jetty still wakes up at night? Okay. And Jetty's 10, right? Okay. Well, there you go. Point proven right there. Can you imagine waking up or being woken up every night after you go to sleep? Every two, three hours. I know a kid, he would wake up every 45 minutes. And then one of the parents would have to pat this kid back to sleep. 45 minutes, which means the longest sleep you get in one go is 45 minutes and then you get woken up. You wake up just trashed, smashed. Um, you know, and when the kids get older, it doesn't get that much easier, even though they sleep through the night. You know, uh, Chris plays soccer and sometimes I go to training with him. And, you know, I'll try to be, a, a, you know, an involved dad and I try to help with the coaching and, you know, running around and, you know, uh, I last for about 10 minutes. This physically is just tough. But that's, a, that's usually with sons. When you have daughters, it's a complete different level of hardship. It's psychologically difficult. I understand now what psychological torture means after having a daughter. You know, they say back in the, back in the day of war, they used to torture people, you know, bamboo shoots and, you know, the water dripping and things like that, right? Have a daughter and you'll understand what that whole thing is about. My daughter, she, she plays games with my mind, all right? <laughs> Like, she wants something, and everyone that has a daughter will know this, and everyone who is a daughter is guilty of this, especially to their dads. They just, they twist your minds. And sometimes you walk out of a conversation and you just feel violated, <laughs> feel violated by a little kid. You know, parenting is tough. You go to work, you come home, and then you have to watch your kid, you're tired. You know, I have heard these confessions. I'm not going to tell you who, but I have heard confessions of parents that stayed at work longer than they needed to because they needed to work more just because going home was actually harder. I'm not going to say who it is. Um, you know, parenting is so hard, especially if it's your first child. If it's your first child, you don't know what's going on. Like we've had a lot of these first mums and dads and, you know, I'm sure each and every one of them has had some sort of breakdown, you know, like whether it be in the first day or the 10th day or the, the 100th day, you know, something new happens and they, they don't know what to do and they don't know who to call and they just don't know what's, what's going on and, and, they, and they just just break down. But this is why, as, 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 as Christians, uh, this is why I, I believe that the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child, relates directly to church. One of the best things that we have as Christians is community. One of the greatest blessings that I've had in my life over the last 11 years of raising three children have been the people from our community that have been a part of their life and helped us raise our children. We call them uncles and aunties, right? Uh, my children are 11, 7, and 5, right? And so we have different 
parents or different uncles and aunties that were a little bit more involved in different uh, lives of our kids. So we got the Chris era, right? That's like Janice and James. And then we got the, the Ben era, and that's kind of, who is the Ben era? Arnie, that's right. And then we've got the Anna era, which is more of our younger guys. And one of the, one of the privileges and the, one of the greatest blessings that we've had is people come over and play with our kids. You know, like, like Mel and I had to um, go somewhere very important last holidays, holiday. Um, and so we, we called uh, Ellen and we we're like, Ellen, can you come and watch our kids? And she's like, I would love to watch your kids. There's nothing better. You know, like something happens and one of our kids gets sick and instead of calling the doctor or going to emergency, we call Janice Lee because she's a pharmacist. We go, hey, Janice, what drug? You know, like, you know, like Chris, my 11-year-old, he's so um, inquisitive about things to do with science. Drives us crazy, right? Why is the moon and why is the stars? And you know what's so good? Now, Every time he asks us, we say, Chris, go ask Auntie Jenny. She's a science teacher. And we deflect all of that to her. So good. So good. We've had um, so many experiences. Matt, I remember Matt is one of the secret uncles that he doesn't go like, he doesn't like to show off that he's one of the favorite uncles. But one day he turned up with a wad of his old Pokemon cards. And in there, in Chris and Ben's heart, he's one of their favorites. <laughs> Unbelievable. He just knew what to bring. And I was very worried because he had Pokemon cards <laughs> at the age of like 26. But anyway, that's a, that's a sermon for a different day. One of the best things that we can have in our community is the ability to help each other raise our children. And this has got nothing to do with whether you have a child or not. We actually believe that singles are great at babysitting and watching our children. It doesn't, you don't need to have children. You know, Ian, our kids love Uncle Ian. I don't know if they love Uncle Ian or they love the fact that he has a Nintendo Switch and a PlayStation. <laughs> I remember Ian and May said, hey, we'd love to take your kids for a few hours. And we said, give me a day and a time and they are there. We have been so blessed. And, 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 and it's the other way around as well. As, as parents get older, and have more kids, and then the young singles start to get married and have their kids. When you start having your breakdowns, who do you think you're going to call? People in your life group. People in your community. This is the family of God. This is the family of God. To support each other. To love each other. This is how we help each other. This is what it means to be one body. Now, we need to support all of our parents. And, and I was thinking to myself, well, what's the best piece of advice of parenting to give to parents now and future parents 
and those that are supporting parents. How do we help our parents? What's the one thing that they need? And it's not research, and it's not even babysitting, and it's not expertise. Do you know what it is? It's faith. Can I tell you as a parent, yes, I'd love my kids to succeed. I'd love them to be rich, like really rich. Like, Dad, I'm going to buy you a house rich, you know. I'd love for them to do that. All three of them have three houses. But, you know, at the end of the day, that all means nothing. Because the one thing that I want for my child to have more than anything else is a personal relationship with Jesus. As people that are supporting each other, you know what the best thing that we can do is to pray for that child's faith journey. Support their parents by praying for them. Yes, cook for them and clean for them and babysit. Of course, do all of those things. But help parents sow seeds of faith into their children. Now, from the passage that we read today, I want to I I I share with you what God wants or go, how God wants this to happen. And it's phrased in this, 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 this phrase, intentional parenting. After being a parent for 11 years, there are times, there are seasons where I don't know what happened. I don't know where the time went, but the kid just grew up. Just, just grew up. You know? I don't know what happened. Just, it's like accidentally, they just sort of grew and they worked themselves out. But as parents, I believe what God wants for parents to be is not just get on with your life and let the kids grow up on the side, but they, God wants you to be intentional in the way that you raise them intentional in the way that you sow seeds of faith in their life. We've got to choose to go beyond just physically raising our kids, like physically just feeding them, showering them, making sure they go to school, making sure that they stay out of trouble, stay out of jail, making sure that they get married and have a good career. We've got to go beyond. As faith parents, we've got to go beyond our kids just to survive, and we've got to be intentional in the way that we plant seeds of faith in their life. It said being a parent is one of the greatest joys that anyone can have, but it's also one of the greatest responsibilities. You are responsible. You are responsible for the life of another. But sometimes we can miss this because we're just trying to survive. Just trying to survive parenting. Just trying to get some food on the table. Just trying to get our kids to school on time. Just trying to get our you know, kids to get some good marks. We forget that the most important thing that we can implant into them, the inheritance that we can give to them, is not about money. It's not about property. It's not about possessions, but it's our faith. In this passage, Deuteronomy 6, Moses is addressing God's people just before they go into the promised land. And, and Moses, th- this whole sermon is about, okay, God's people, as you go into the promised land, this is how God wants you to live. This is how God wants you to live. And I just want to read verse 4 to 9 again. Hear how God wants us to be parents. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you, give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. I believe there are three things that God is telling us through this passage. How to be intentional parents rather than accidental parents. You know, by no means do I think this is an extensive list of what the Bible tells us about raising our children. But I think it's a great starting point. The first one is this, model faith intentionally. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Intentional parenting starts with modeling. They say the same gender parent. So for sons, it's their father. For daughters, it's their mother. The same gendered parent is the single greatest influence on that child's life. Burdensome, right? Knowing that we have this much influence on our children, before you say something, before you teach something, you've got to model it in their life. God calls us to live the life that we want for our children first. If you tell them, make sure you're running every morning and staying healthy, and yet you are not doing that, what, what does that make you? It makes you a hypocrite. Show them through your life, before you even say a word, what is important, what is not important, how you live your life. I've got a little video shows this, and, it, and it's a pretty um, impressive video. It's good at, hey. You know what? That, that's confronting because that's real. It's really scary. Actually, as a parent, when I watch that, and, uh, you know, it makes me kind of think about my own life. And instead of like, and not just what I'm teaching my children, but, but I guess the life that I'm living now, would I want that for my child? God says you need to model faith. You need to model faith. As believers, the most important thing in our lives before parenting even is, is our own relationship with God. That's why Moses starts off by giving the commandment, love God with all your heart, strength, and soul. Before our, we teach our children, we need to show them with our own lives. We need to model to them what it looks like. My father goes to work um, uh, about 5.36 in the morning. He's got a tough job and he's got long hours. And But still one of the things that, that I grew up watching uh, was uh, for some reason if I'd wake up earlier in the morning, about 4.35, I would see my father in the morning spending time with God. And not to say that I'm, I'm there yet, but that, that leaves a mark. It leaves a mark. Before he even said anything to me, it leaves a mark. So the first thing is this, model faith intentionally. 
Secondly is this, talk faith intentionally. Verse 7, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. See, the thing about our lives is in our lives, there's so many voices speaking to us. Why is that any different from our children? It's exactly the same. Our children are growing up in a society where there are so many, they are being bombarded with voices and messages from the world, right? Uh, marketing voices or, or commercials of TV or, or ads on the internet. Our children are being bombarded by these messages and voices. And if you are not a voice in their life, and if your voice is not representing faith or God in their life, then who do you think is raising your children? It's not you. It's the world. Even, even from a young age, children are so impressionable. They say they're like sponges. As parents, not only do we have the responsibility to be the loudest voice in our children's life, but what we represent in that voice is so important. One of the saddest things growing up, watching my friends and watching their parents, and, and not to judge the parents, but this is just what happened, they would... All they talk about is education. What did you do at school today? Show me your report card. How many, did you go to tutoring? And you know what? You know what happened to these guys? They all got into selective school. They all got into the universities that their parents wanted them to be. They all work, you know, in good cushy jobs now and, and they're all earning decent money and, and most of them don't go to church. And the, and, and the saddest thing is, these parents are not non-Christian parents. They're believers. And God's banging his head against the wall. As parents, we are called to have the loudest voice in our child's life. If your voice is not the loudest in your child's life, it means someone else is raising your child. It's being irresponsible. But what you represent in what you say to your children, it must represent what's important to you. It's got to be faith, God. Ben asked me today in the shopping center, my second son asked me, he goes, Dad, one day I want to get baptized. And I was like, okay. And then I thought about it later and I thought, the day that my children get baptized, I will not remember your birthdays. I will not remember any of your weddings, but I will remember the day my children get baptized. There will be no greater celebration in my heart. You cannot outsource this to anyone else. Parents and future parents. Our church's kids' ministry is going great but they are not responsible for your children's faith. The children spend two hours a week with their max. And then they spend the rest of the hundred and whatever hours at home with you. 
has said, as a church, we will continue to invest into our children and our children's ministry to set platforms, to help the children, to sow seeds into the children, also to help you as parents. But if you, if, if the only conversations of faith and about God are happening at church and nothing is happening at home, nothing's happening with you as a parent, then you are missing out. You're missing out. Talk to your children about faith. And not just on Sunday. Talk to them about on Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And it's hard. Look, I'm not saying that, you know, like there's some kind of magical formula. Do it and then it's all going to work out for you. It's super hard. You can do the best that you can and still might not work out for you. But God's just asking you to be faithful. We need to intentionally talk about faith matters with our children. Thirdly, surround them with faith intentionally. Not only do we need to model and talk to our children, but we as parents must surround our children with God things and good things. That's our job. That's our job as parents. You know, after they're 18, they're an adult. They can decide on their own. But for the first 18 years, if you're living under my roof, it's my responsibility. Let me give you an example of not how this one worked, but how this one didn't work. Anna, my youngest daughter, my youngest, who is a daughter, was a three or four at the time. I'm just confessing my sin, okay? Don't judge me. And she loves to sing. Sings anything. She makes up songs. She hears things, just sings it. I love it. These days, it's like, you know, ah, woo. What's the first? I don't even know what the first. She was singing today. You are holy. But both of us, we get to about the fifth line and we can't remember the words. (laughs) Love it. She starts singing, you are holy. And then Ben goes, you are holy. (laughs) We've got a whole choir happening at my house. Chris just rolls his eyes. Year five kid, I'm too cool for this. Anyway, one day we're at home, and I'd love to tell you that every day Anna wakes up singing praises to God. But there was this one day where she was walking around the house, and these were her exact words. Oh, my gosh, look at her butt. Oh, my gosh, look at her butt. And my wife was there, and I was there, and my wife looked at me. (laughs) And I had a choice to either deny it profusely (laughs) or just admit to it. And I chose the smarter one, and I just admitted, and I apologized straight away to my wife. Where did she hear this? And I had to quickly work something. She wasn't at school. It's not like her childcare is like, you know, pumping out Nicki Minaj, you know. And I realized it was, it was in the car. And it was on a Friday. 104.1 R&B Fridays. Oh, it's my favorite. It's my favorite. I love driving on Fridays because they play all my favorites. Oh, and, and I really, oh, 
my gosh, <laughs> look at her butt. You and I, we, we have, as parents, you, you have a responsibility to surround your children with faith things. Verse 8, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is what Moses is telling the people of God. Surround yourselves with the things of God. Why? Because they will act as a reminder to your family. If your house is filled with Marvel posters, and all you do as a parent is watch Marvel movies. What do you think your child will want to be when they grow up? Hulk. <laughs> Maybe. If every conversation that you have in your house is about losing weight, going to the gym, pumping iron. What do you think your kid's going to grow up thinking is important? If the only thing that you and your child talk about at home is school, report cards, selective school, then the message you are sending your children is that that is the most important thing in their lives. But as parents, we have a choice to surround our children. One of the things that happens in our house now, and I'd love to say it was me, but it's more, more my wife. She wakes up and she just pumps God music. And kids wake up. They wake up to this music, and I believe that in an indirect way, it is uplifting to their soul because they're waking up, and the first words that they're hearing is, oh, praise the name of our Lord, our God, not, oh, my gosh. There are worse songs. I'm just saying, not the worst dad in the world. You need to surround them with faith intentionally. I believe that this is not just a role for the parents, but it's not just about modeling. It's not just about talking. It's not just about surrounding them. That is the responsibility of the parents, but I believe that this is the responsibility of the whole community. If when our kids come into church and the only thing that you talk to them about is what did you do at school this week? Or the worst one, hey, what does your mum pack you for lunch? What did you eat for lunch? What's at your canteen? How much is a sausage roll, meat pie, can of Coke? If that's all you talk to them about, then all they're going to know you for are those things. I have this radical idea. I want to disciple my children. That's my job. But I also, just like myself, I have many people that mentor me and disciple me, and I go finding them and looking for them. You know, we, I have pastors, I have leaders, I have, I have older brothers that look after me. You know, I realize I need people to do that for my children. I need you to disciple my children. I need you to help me to disciple them. Do you know what that means? It means praying for them. 
It means talking to them about faith. You know, it means, you know, not just on a Sunday, but when you see them throughout the week, when you're in life groups, you know, as our little babies grow up, it's surrounding them with faith. Surrounding them with things like generosity. Ben, one of his birthdays, he said he wanted a, a green watch. Who, know, who knows why? But he wanted a green watch, right? And an uncle, I don't want to say his name. I don't want to embarrass him, but his name starts with A and rhymes with Rafshin. <laughs> Afshin asked one day, hey, because Ben invited Afshin to Ben's birthday party. And if you didn't get invited to Ben's birthday party, because he didn't invite you, <laughs> and he invited Ashin and, and Ashin said, oh, well, I want to bring a present. And, I said, and, and we were like, oh, you know, he said he wants a green watch. In my mind, you can buy a $5 green watch because the kid's going to lose it anyway because he was only like six or something. I'm sure Ashin didn't know this either, but he was just, you know, and I, and I, and I think really it's just that the generous heart of Ashin. Rocks up with an ice watch. Now, anyone who doesn't know what watch is, Ice Watch is one of the premium watches. It's like the Rolex, okay, of those colored watches, right? It's a hundred bucks. You know how I know? I went and checked. <laughs> I went and checked. And I told Ben, Ben, this watch is quite expensive. And you know what, Ben? You know what he, he felt? He felt so loved. You know, it wasn't like, oh, wow, that's such an expensive watch. Go tell him to return it and go buy me 10 $10 watches. No, Ben felt so loved. And even after a year and a half, he still has that watch. Because if he loses it, I'll kill him. <laughs> we have to help each other raise our children. That's why it takes a village. That's why it takes the body of Christ. You know, it starts off with praying. It starts off with modeling. You know, when, when Albert Chang cheats at camp game, my children still talk about that. I think one day, I think you need to go set that record straight. 20 hours of community service. <laughs> Help us as parents raise our children the way God wants. Because when you have kids, we'll help you. Joshua 24, 15, at the end of Joshua's life, he says this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves the day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And I hope that this is a declaration, first and foremost, that as parents that you can make for your family. And secondly, as a church family that we can make in this place, that we in this family, in this household, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter where you're single, you're dating, you're married, you've got kids, you're, 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 you're retired, doesn't matter who you are, we will serve the Lord.
We pray that that would be the declaration of our church. Let's pray.